Hello, my name is Adam Eason. Welcome to episode 86 of Hypnosis Weekly. Hello Hypnosis friends and a very warm welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Once again in my own highly biased opinion I think I have a heroic show lined up for you today. Today is actually the third of our special Heroes of Hypnosis editions. We do not have all of the usual features, instead it is a concise edition of the podcast whereby a former guest returns and talks all about a hero of theirs from the hypnosis field from anywhere in history. Following my special edition all about Emil Kue and then Lindsay Shepard talking about uh, Clark Hull a few episodes back. I now welcome back to the show Dr. Frederick Mao, who's going to be talking about Milton Erickson and probably not in the usual ways that you would expect. As I do with these special editions, I'll not offer up all the usual spiel. I know, I know, few. Uh, instead, I'll just say that if you do enjoy this podcast, and please do go give us a favourable rating, even a review at iTunes. I'll be a BFF if you do. It takes just a few seconds and a couple of clicks to give us a favourable rating. So what are you waiting for? Anyway, for now, get comfy, my friends. Turn up the volume. Sip on your tea. Enjoy this week's special edition featuring Frederick Mao talking all about Milton Erickson. So, as I've just been discussing, I'm delighted to welcome back to Hypnosis Weekly for this special edition, the one and only Frederick Mao. Frederick, welcome back to Hypnosis Weekly. Adam, it's a pleasure to be along. Thank you for inviting me. So, I've just been rabbiting on a little bit um, and prior to introducing you. I'm talking about, this is, this is our third um, I'm at the third of our special Heroes of Hypnosis editions, a sort of sub-edition of, of the main Hypnosis Weekly podcast. And um, this time out, our, our, our focus, our hero, is going to be uh, Mr. Milton Erickson himself, uh, going to be our central focus. Um, Frederick, first up then, give, give us some background on the man. Give us some, some background on Erickson. Tell us a little bit about him. Well, he was uh, he was raised in uh, in Wisconsin. I think one of the um, one of the seminal events of his life, I, I guess, a place to start is uh, with the fact that he had polio when he was seventeen. You know, famously, we yeah. see pictures of him with a cane or he's in a wheelchair, that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, he wasn't expected to um, to live uh, in the initial outbreak of polio. And actually overheard one of the doctors say, you know, he won't make it through the night. And he was so furious at that that he was determined to make it through the night to uh, to show the doctor up um, and <laughs> insisted that his uh, that his family position a mirror um, so that he could see out the window and see the dawn uh, from the bed. And Erickson talks about how he was so focused on the dawn coming that he lost um, the trees and the fence and so forth that were outside the window that had shifted his perception and he was just looking for the dawn. <laughs> and then the next day he lived and he, he actually asked I think his father, why did you cut down the tree and take down the fence? And his father was like, well, the, you know, the tree and the fence are there, but Erickson had completely framed that out of his perception 
working with perception is a core part of Erickson. And I think that, you know, that's sort of an early vignette that, that kind of gets our, our cart rolling. Another one I think that is, to me, when I was looking at his history, really sort of set the stage. Um, shortly thereafter, uh, he was completely paralyzed, unable to move. He had bed sores, and so they put him in sort of a wicker rocking chair and kind of strapped him in, but he had no muscle control. He couldn't move, so they had him strapped into this chair, and usually they would sit him over by the window so he could kind of look out. Um, but this one day, he talks about how they forgot, the family forgot to put him over by the window. And Erickson sat there and he said that he knew the tree was outside the window and he visualized climbing that tree. He remembered when he was a child, he visualized climbing the tree. Yeah. And he spent the day just, I think we would almost call it like a mindfulness exercise now, or a meditative exercise. He, he was just into climbing the tree. And he found that he moved over by the window. He had no conscious control of his body, but by engaging those subconscious systems, he ended up moving, um, moving over toward the window. And then he said he noticed other things, like when he thought about playing in an apple orchard and swinging in apple trees, he noticed his arm turning red, and he realized that he, had, uh, he was controlling the blood flow there. And so he began mm. to question his abilities. He began to work with his sense and his perception. He began to create change. And I think, you know, all this really sets the stage for who, who Erickson was. Um, you know, long before he had, you know, the University of Wisconsin, he, uh, he, he started studying hypnosis under Clark Hull. But his own experiences with polio, I think, really set the stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's, um, you, you know, he... His, his one of the things we discussed, one of the things that, that you said to me off air just a moment ago is, you know, we're, we're, we'll do our best to scratch the surface here because, you know, there's so much to discuss with regards to to um, Ericsson's approach, his contribution and so on. Um, um, and, and I think what makes it remarkable is, is how distinct it was. Um, you know, let, let's examine his approach. Um, um, t t tell us, tell us a bit about his approach, about his contribution, and, and what made it distinct, um, Frederick. Well, I mean, Erickson is so wide and broad that it's like it's like we're kind of trying to describe the ocean or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, this is a heroes of hypnosis thing, but he is one of the the leaders of family therapy. He's responsible for at least three different approaches to therapy, not counting Ericksonian hypnosis. I know we'll talk about that later. I mean, it's just, it's just huge. As I look at Erickson, though, the key thing that I take away from him, I guess there's a little list of key things. One, his view of the, of the subconscious, um, that insight is not necessary for change, that the subconscious is a positive force for healing. Yeah. That was a huge insight. It was psychodynamic, but really different from the Freudian psychoanalysis that was popular in the day. And I think that that, that is sort of the, the key with Erickson. A second key is the idea that the therapist takes responsibility for therapeutic change and leads the client to change. Uh, Erickson saw resistance as a therapist problem, not a client problem, uh, mm -hmm. a lack of emotional engagement. Another key, and there are, I think, maybe four of them, four or five I'm listing. Another key is the idea of worldview, that the therapist learns the language of the client 
not just like verbal language, but body language, the emotional language of the client, and adapts to the client's reality. Erickson had a quote, everyone is as individual as their own thumbprint. Mm. And he tended to work with people as people, not as patients or even clients. It was, it was that unique individuality that he focused on. And then the fourth thing, or the fifth thing, I lost my count, I think, is that his approach is a systems approach. And I think this is helpful in understanding him. Um, he understood intrapsychic systems, but also how a person fits in broader systems like family systems. Mm. And the, the thing about systems is we tend to think in terms of cause and effect and that things move in a linear way. But in a system, there are all these moving parts, and so causes become effects, which become further causes that become other effects. Right. And uh, Erickson was great on that complexity. So the positive unconscious, the respect for the client, the 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 the, the rejection of insight as necessary for change, the understanding of the person within a system and as a system. Again, it's like talking about the ocean, but I hope that helped a little bit. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. You know, I um, um, um I, I, I had no idea, you know, b before you even started talking about those characteristics, I, I had no idea even today of um, uh, the depth of his contribution to, to, to other other aspects of, of therapy. So if, if we then, if we then, you know, so I, w with regards to this, um, one of the things I think that's potentially related to, 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 to one of the earlier notions that you mentioned there, the, the kind of subconscious uh, notions. Um, um, I know that one of the distinctions with regards to Ericsson was that, you know, he would, he would often um, um, believe that and, and characterize that, that the individual had the resources, um, um, you know, a lot of the resources already within them. Um, 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 and, and that you know, perhaps they could be they could be drawn out with skill according to the therapist and a therapist responsible to to kind of drawing those things out. And that was quite different, wasn't it? Oh, it was certainly um, very very different. I mean, the 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 in the era in the era that Erickson is working, the predominant approach to psychotherapy is still Freudian psychoanalysis right. that has this dark view of the subconscious. I mean. You know, Freud called the, the subconscious a chaos, uh, a cauldron full of seething excitations. And it, it's kind of fun because usually don't get that kind of language in scientific journals anymore. <laughs> no. um, but, uh, you know, Erickson's view that the subconscious was something positive that was beneficial and also much broader than the Freudian unconscious or subconscious. You know, Freud identified the unconscious with sort of ego defense mechanisms and, and kind of the operation of the id. Um, Erickson is talking about the unconscious being um, all these different uh, layers that include, you know, autonomic nervous system stuff and basically everything that's going on outside the conscious control of the person. And he saw that we are geared to create health mm. and we move in that direction. And that all these unconscious forces, which is where the, the, all the power, all the energy is, all of that is geared in the direction of health, mm. and that needs to be engaged. And he did it with story and metaphor because stories and metaphors are not like conscious thoughts. They engage emotion on a deeper sort of a visceral gut level, and 
you know, hypnosis was just one experiential method he used. There was so much that he did. He gave people tasks. He used poetry. It, it's I was, it's amazing to go back and look at the man's work, but it's that engaging of the positive subconscious that I think is the giant contribution of Erickson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, what do you think it was? You know, I, I realized that, that, that the field of NLP, for example, you know, sort of sort of extracted <laughs> some, some, some components of what he did. And I'm guessing that, that some of that has contributed to, to his popularity. But um, uh, what, what do you think makes his approach so popular today? Because, you know, I, I mean, it's it's virtually unheard of that anybody else is so, so revered within within the field. Um, what, what do you think has contributed to that, that degree of popularity? I'm glad that you see Erickson as being popular. As I was as I was preparing for our interview, I ran across something that said he was actually more popular outside the United States um, than uh, than inside the United States. Right. Uh, I, I find a lot of people that are you know Dave Ellman fans and that kind of thing, which I've got yeah. nothing against that approach. I, I I think you know if you look at where Ellman, where Erickson is wildly popular, it's in the area of family therapy, and he basically set the pace. Um, with that, but you know, over here in the world of hypnosis, I, I I keep running into people that feel like Erickson is too complicated or too vague or it takes too long. I, the NLP thing, I just I, you know, I feel like that that's kind of a a little collection of techniques from from Erickson. I mean, the the problem with the Milton model is that Milton wasn't he didn't really work from a model. In fact, he he sort of famously said that therapists do not have the luxury of having a theory, a theory, a theory yeah. that each therapist needs to develop their own style and approach. And uh, one of the quotes I, I ran across him about from him about NLP was that they wanted to um, they wanted to to have me in a nutshell, and they have the nutshell. So I <laughs> yeah, I sort of yeah. feel like the NLP approach. I hadn't even been thinking of them in terms of his broader contribution to like, you know, substantial therapies. Um, but I mean, I think it's almost a dumbing down of Erickson. Yeah. 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 You know, I think, I think, you know, the, the, the a lot of the frontliners um, um, tend to tend to know Erickson, not, not in the kind of depth or with the layers by which you are describing him and his work, but perhaps probably know of him because of his language patterns, you know, which which I realize probably doesn't do justice to him really at all. You know, they, they, they kind of think of the Ericksonian approach as a bunch of language patterns that are that are influential, for example. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, that's absolutely true. I mean, he masterminded that indirect approach. Um, his approach to hypnosis was very different from anything going on at the time. You know, he studied under Clark Hull, who, who famously wrote about hypnosis and was yeah. a, a president of the American Psychiatric Psychological Association. But Hull's very traditional, very direct with the approach that he took with hypnosis. And Erickson's contributions really have to do with I mean, short-term therapy and solution-focused therapy, which were heresies at the time. But that notion of focusing on a solution, not a problem, beginning to draw from the client positive resources, telling stories that give the client flashes of insight, which is which is exactly what you're after. The client needs to see the change and then the change, you know, um, becomes real. Um, 
William Miller, who's uh, famous for motivational interviewing, which I think of as a, as a, a development of Erickson's approach, says, you know, change happens when it seems like someone steps outside of themselves and there's a sudden shift in meaning mm. and they see themselves from another perspective. Well, that that is Ericksonian right there. I mean, that is the core of what Erickson did. Someone would be talking along. He would tell this outlandish story that was out of left field. There would be a phrase or two in there that kind of clicked. It wasn't a parlor trip, but what it did is it gave the person an opportunity to grab something emotionally, and all of a sudden there's like this dissociation. They see themselves from another perspective. That ordinary waking trance that, that Erickson talked about, it's very powerful. And, you know, as a therapist working with people, I can feel it when my client is doing that. Like you engage with your client emotionally and you can feel when there's that lock and you can feel when that's that when that's happening. And I look at the, you know, the old videos and stuff of Erickson. And I realize he is just way ahead of anything I've experienced. Yeah. Like I've got a glimpse of it. But but that man, he was on it. And it, it is that deep engagement at an emotional level and the trust of the client to be able to create healing. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed listening to that. And, and you know, for, for, for me, you know, I, I remember when I, when, when I, cornered you, I cornered you at this year's hypnosis convention because I, you know, I made a beeline because I wanted to, I wanted to ask you to come and to come and come and do this, this show with me. And, I, I said to you, you know, I'm, I'm doing this kind of sub-series within the podcast of Heroes of Hypnosis for people to come along. And before I'd finished my sentence, Milton Erickson, you said it, you know, you know that, yes. that beautiful voice and accent of yours. And, you know, and my face lit up, <laughs> my face lit up because you, you, you just knew the direction you were going and, 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 and what you wanted to do. And I kind of felt that, you know, the, the sense that I'm getting now is exactly what I thought at the time, which is, you know, here is someone who's who's who resonates with Ericsson, perhaps in a very different way than than the populist fashion, which is where, where his work is typically sold, you know, on, on courses and 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 in marketing and so on. Um, um, and just, just for me to, to, to build upon that notion. Frederick, would you mind just sharing a little bit about how Ericsson's work then influences your own and, 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 and what, what kind of component parts or, or what kind of general theories or, or, or elements of his approach um, um, you use and, and are, are kind of within your own work? I came to hypnosis sort of backward. I, I originally studied under a gentleman, Patrick Porter, who... Um, uh, has his own sort of spin on NLP, and that's kind of how I got into it. As I, I learned more about hypnosis and then decided to, to get my, my license as a therapist, I'm a licensed counselor in the United States, um, you know, in my studies to prepare for, for licensure, I was actually reading a book one day, I was on career counseling, I wasn't thinking there would be much of anything in there, and I ran across a, a quote by a guy named G.S. Howard, that said, um, people tell themselves stories that give their lives meaning. They emphasize one thing, they de-emphasize the other. If you change the meaning of the story, you change the meaning of your life. And I remember that was a flash of insight for me. I put the book down and I sat there and I thought for a good long time, so many things integrated together. And then about that point is when I really began to run into Milton Erickson. And I ran into him not so much through hypnosis, but 
um, you know, solution-focused brief therapy, which was um, created by um, Steve DeShazer and his wife, Isu Kim Berg, um, they specifically credit Erickson. And I started reading Erickson and looking at it, and I'm like, hypnosis, of course that's here. And then I started looking at how he's using story and metaphor and the psychodynamics of a positive subconscious, and it just resonated. And that's really what I had, prior to that, I had, um, I was a pretty good hypnotist and a, and a pretty good therapist. I had sort of a collection of tricks. I had some different things I could do. But at that point, that's where everything really gelled together for me. And I was like, yes, this is it. This is how to approach a client. Um, that the client is the one truly that creates the healing because of this deep subconscious unconscious that is much more than almost anyone talks about. And it doesn't, it happens through story and narrative that what we're going for in therapy is, is existential. It's a fundamental shift in meaning and how the person sees herself or himself that operates not cognitively, but at a deeper level where emotionally the person changes, that that is what we're after. And when I, as I read Erickson and studied Erickson and looked at Erickson, I'm like, this is, this is the model. This is the way to go. And all the things that he does, metaphor, story, poetry, giving people these different tasks, the, the, the faith in the ability of people to create their own healing and their own health. I, the more I look at Erickson, I still feel like I'm just scratching the surface. But that, that really pulled together, um, pulled together what I do. And if you ask me what I do as a therapist, there are basically four things, and three of them are Ericksonian, and one of them is from Australia, but I think basically it's Ericksonian. It just came from a different place. So he really pulled together um, my approach. So I do Ericksonian hypnosis. I do solution-focused brief therapy. I do motivational interviewing. Um, William Miller doesn't explicitly credit, credit Erickson, but he is a hypnotist, and it is Erickson's waking state patterns further developed. And then Michael White's narrative therapy from Australia, which again fits beautifully with the Ericksonian model. So yeah. those would be the four things. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I, I, I recall you having a real passion for, for, for and you know, I, I know that your books and a lot of your work is on narrative therapy. And, and I can understand how that, how, how that fits in with some of the principles that are, that are, that, that sort of underpin um, um, some of the, the you know the, the Ericsson approach. Um, um, I, you know, yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, um, what do you think is is the kind of enduring legacy of Milton Erickson, Frederick? Well, I mean, uh, oh my goodness. Um, well, Virginia Satir, um, who's uh, a one of the leading developers of family therapy, family systems therapy. Uh, and she co-founded the Mental Research Institute in Palo Alto, California. Um, that, that, I mean, he's, they explicitly credit Erickson with the, the approach. And he's a giant in, in family therapy in distinction to like individual therapy. 
Um, and that, that, that really is not even a hypnosis approach. There's solution-focused brief therapy that I mentioned a moment ago. Erickson pioneered brief therapy, pioneered a solution-focused approach rather than an analytical approach, which looks for problems and causes. Erickson asked, where are you now? Where do you want to be? How do you get from here to there? Um, solution-focused brief therapy has been demonstrated to be as effective as cognitive behavior therapy. It operates much more quickly. Uh, again, we're not even talking about hypnosis. And then you've got, you know, motivational interviewing with um, Miller and Rolnick, um, which is a standard um, approach to treatment. It sounds like a technique, but it really is an approach to psychotherapy. It comes out of addiction treatment, but um, really gets used very, very broadly in the United States for lots of stuff. Um, Miller, of course, mentions in his book, it's sort of offhandedly that he's a hypnotist, but I mean, he has to have studied Ericksonian stuff because it's all over the book, even though Erickson, the book's motivational interviewing, even though the Erickson isn't specifically quoted. Um, then there's the whole field of Ericksonian hypnosis, which, um, I mean, if you look at hypnosis before Erickson and after Erickson, it's a completely different field. I mean, everything about um, indirection, inferred processes, uh, all of that is is Ericksonian. And then, you know, if you want to, you can even throw in the NLP stuff, which I think um, they have a lot of really nice little techniques that are kind of good. And, you know, it's, ha it's, it's handy to have, you know, it's handy to have little techniques that you can grab and little phrasings and stuff. And those are, those are really handy. They're really useful. Um, but I mean, the major contributions across the field of psychotherapy, you can frame Erickson as a hero of hypnosis. I'm not objecting that. He certainly is. But oh, my goodness, he is on the list with, um, you know, uh, Freud, Skinner, Adler, Maslow, Milton Erickson. Yeah. He, he's one of those guys. Um, even more so, I would say, on that, he was on the list more than even like a guy like uh, Clark Hull that he, you know, again, he initially learned hypnosis from and, and stood up and challenged Hull in class that, you know, he didn't think Hull was describing it the way it ought to be. And this was like as, a, as an undergrad, uh, you know, Erickson is challenging Clark Hull. He, he's just been a giant. Um, so, yeah, that's the. I don't know if I answered your question, but I no, feel like I'm waxing on. So there you no, go. It, that it, was helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it absolutely does. Um, um, you know, I, 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 um, I, I enjoy that. You know, you know, it, it's, it's, it's really interesting to me that, that, funnily enough, you know, we've done, we've done three of these heroes of hypnosis. Um, um, and, 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 and our previous one was Clark Hull. You know, and, and. And in there, in that discussion, you know, it was mentioned that, that uh, Clark Hull um, tutored and lectured for a period of time to, to Ericsson, and Ericsson learned hypnosis. And, you know, I, I didn't know that up until that point. You know, I, was a, you know I, I, I thought that I knew my onions when it came to, to, to hypnosis, historical context and things like that. And, yeah, you know, um, um, Clark Hull is credited with some of the... The, the the earliest scientific reviews of uh, and and is potentially has quite a dry approach and is quite direct and and so on and yeah you know well, it's, Hull, it's it's a stark contrast. Hull was, was brilliant and you know his his hypnosis and suggestibility is a classic in the field and um, he he did pioneer a scientific approach. He wanted to get rid of all the the mystical stuff wrapped around it. Erickson came in as a, I think an undergrad, I, I, I'm thinking, I'm, I might not be right about that, but I believe an undergrad where he walked into Hull's 
you know, seminar, I think it was the University of Wisconsin um, on, on hypnosis. And Erickson actually challenged Hall in class and, and thought that there were other ways to get at it. And I think that goes back to Erickson's own experience with, with polio and with his own perceptions on body. Uh, but then he went out and he found Hall's subjects um, from the class and got agreement to work with them and worked with these people over the course of, I, I believe, uh, the next semester, maybe the next year, and played with them and pioneered different approaches to hypnosis that were different than, than what Hall had worked with. So he, he went and found the folks that Hall had used as, as participants in the class to demonstrate hypnosis, and then went and worked with them to, to do other work and to develop other techniques and approaches. So uh, not taking anything away from Hull, but I mean, Erickson took what Hull was doing and then went in a completely different direction, not into mysticism and less scientific, but as far as, you know, indirection and suggestion and metaphor, um, it was, it was really, you've got two giants there. It's just amazing. Yeah. 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 The, um, you know, I, um, I'm, I'm, I, I can see how, um, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I just find, I, you know, I find that 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 contrast. I, I just, I just kind of assumed that anybody, um, anybody who who whoever was under the tutelage of somebody like Clark Hole would just end up being like Clark Hole. Um, um, and and you know, I think it's testament to to Ericsson for the way he he absolutely made it his own, and 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 kind of went in in the direction that he saw fit and that he felt strongest aligned to the kind of person he was and the kind of approach and, and the way in which he got results and I think you know um, um, one of the things that I've, I've I often say when we're teaching any kind of NLP component on our courses is that you know despite it being the Milton model for example that isn't really what Ericsson was doing you know Ericsson was doing his thing and um, Ericsson wasn't even doing Ericksonian hypnotherapy for example Ericsson was doing what was right right for him at the time um, and, and and his client yeah and his client I mean it's in Ericsson's approach is innately individualistic and personal and you know it was it was for him and for his client and it, it wasn't even technique. It's about the engagement of the person with just very, very individually. He's just, it's just a master to watch that work. I'm sorry I interrupted you. I didn't. No, 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 no. You answered. Um, 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 you, you absolutely answered. Um, um, and, and, and uh, you know, but, but that, that, that my point was that um, I'm attempting to sort of copy and paste just kind of snippets of what he did and and condense them down i think doesn't doesn't work so well when you have something that is you know as exactly as you said previously that, that is so comprehensive and so all-encompassing um um so yeah, yeah 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 you know i i i think that that on occasions perhaps the way in which ericksonian approaches to hypnosis and hypnotherapy or nlp gets taught probably doesn't do full justice to the full scope of what Erickson did. I actually would go out in a different direction. There's a there's an article that I read years ago that was um, that's affected me profoundly, an academic article um, called "The Cognitive, Emotional, and Relational Characteristics of Master Therapists." Mm. A couple of guys, Jennings and Scoville, um, went and 
uh, did a, a psychometric study of master therapists and, you know, with the different kinds of licenses, psychologists, psychiatrists, counselors, social workers, all these different kinds of licenses, were people who were recognized by their peers as really extraordinary therapists. And they identified nine different characteristics of master therapists. Well, I went and pulled the list while I was thinking about Erickson. And I mean, Erickson pretty much ticks down the list. But for example, master therapists are huge learners. Erickson was a huge observer of the human condition. The man read the dictionary. Um, they had, master therapists have accumulated experiences that become a major resource for them. I think one of the problems people have with Erickson is they try to go back and tell Erickson's stories and metaphors, but you can't do that. You have to have your own experiences. I talk about Marvel movies with my clients. I mean, I'll pull in things out of left field. You pull in your own. I had a girl the other night, like a 16-year-old girl, was having a lot of trouble establishing rapport and connection with her, mentioned something about Egypt. She lit up like ancient Egypt was her thing. Who knew? It's just like this out of left field stuff. Um, you know, master therapists value cognitive complexity and the ambiguity of the human condition. I won't keep going down the list, but I mean, that is Erickson looking at how, maybe not cognitive complexity, but how complex people are cognitively, emotionally, that whole internal package of the person. And Erickson, Erickson engaged the entire person and was constantly aware of, you know, body language, um, emotional projection uh, that was going on. And again, I like the techniques and I like the, I like the language patterns and that kind of thing. But that it's ontological reductionism. Mm. Um, you know, if, if I look at an electric sign and I say, well, that's nothing but a collection of electrons um, flowing across resistors to create light, but I don't talk about the meaning of the sign then I've missed the point of the sign. You know, trying to break it down to these little component parts, you kind of miss it. And the greatness of Erickson, again, is the positive subconscious. Uh, and I, and technique doesn't begin to capture that. And the power of story and metaphor yeah. where people lock into it and they see themselves in another perspective and they change. And you feel the change and, and change is sudden and it's beautiful. And when you look at emotional change, we think of change as like a slow process over time that people like work their way there. It happens cognitively. I don't think I've ever seen that happen with a client. I don't ever think I've ever seen that work. It, it, emotional change is sudden and it, it's, it's blinding and it flashes and it clicks and you feel it with the client when it happens. And that is the kind of change that Erickson shot for. And it may be complicated and it may be difficult to learn, you know, to engage as a person, like in your person with your client in that way. But I, I don't think I could settle for anything else. I mean, why would I want anything else when I'm working with my client after I've seen that kind of blinding flash yeah. where the person is not the same as they were a moment ago? It's yeah. amazing to watch. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I loved hearing that. You know, I could, um, I'm, I'm, I could go on and on. I'm, I'm asking you about this, um, and but I really, really appreciate um, um, the input, and and I can, I can see, I can see, or, or rather, I can hear um, 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 the the 
the the kind of affinity that you have with with, with so much of what he does um, um, and what he did and how he contributed. And I really thank you for sharing um, for sharing so readily here today. Um, 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 for those that are that are interested in learning more um, um, from from Frederick and 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 uh, about Milton Erickson, I'm guessing that people can just get in contact with you should they wish, Frederick. Uh, watermarkcolumbia.com is my website. You can yeah. email me at info at watermarkcolumbia.com. Um, W-A-T-E-R-M-A-R-K-C-O-L-U-M-B-I-A. Uh, I probably should not have gone with a geographic-centered name for my website, but it's been established <laughs> for a long time, and so that's what it is. And yeah. I would be delighted to answer questions. I've got a couple of books that deal with our Erickson hypnosis. Um, yes. One's Emotion, the Power of Change, which is subtitled A Scientific Approach to Ericksonian Hypnosis. Um, the other one is A Different Reality, which is about using story and narrative to create different realities for clients. Um, so they fit. I mean, I, thanks for letting me play my books. But I mean, yeah. they're both specifically on the stuff we're talking about today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that um, several, several graduates of my college that... Um, um, watched you speak at this year's UK Hypnosis Convention. Um, I enjoyed the presentation so much. They went out and grabbed your books, and um, 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 the, the feedback that I've been getting about those those the, the, those ones that you've mentioned there as well um, um, has been has been really really encouraging and really impressive. So um, um, we'll put links to those books and to um, Frederick's uh, website. Uh, over on this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website. Uh, all that remains for me to say, Frederick, thank you so much for, for returning, for coming back and speaking uh, about your hero of hypnosis, uh, one of your heroes of hypnosis. Uh, Frederick, thank you. Adam, thank you so much. Ah, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, and that's it for this week's 86th edition. None of our usual features with these special Heroes of Hypnosis editions. I do have many more exciting guests that are welcome to Hypnosis Weekly in coming editions. We'll be back next week. We'll be discussing, debating, celebrating, and above all, remaining friends. Uh, references made in the discussions uh, here today, uh, along with uh, uh, related links, are posted at the episode uh, page on the Hypnosis Weekly website, wwwhypnosis weekly Com. As always, I welcome your thoughts, your comments, your suggestions and questions. So do please message me or add them on the Hypnosis Weekly website and I'll make sure that they are addressed, answered and explored accordingly. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter, anywhere else. Really help us reach the hypnosis field. My thanks again to Frederick. My thanks as always to you for tuning in. My name is Adam Eason. This has been Hypnosis Weekly. Until next time, goodbye for now. Mm-hmm.